Good evening, everybody. We're going to let you eat, but what I'm going to tell you is we have already started streaming. So our streaming guy is going to be walking around and asking you nice questions about where you're from and what you think and how you are. So when John comes around, just lie. No. <laughs> just, um, he, we want to give people a sense of what this is like. When Charlie has had an opportunity to eat, um, we will, we will begin the proceedings. So for now, enjoy your dinner and lie to John and life will be very good. We'll be back in a few minutes. We're on ACB Radio. Where are you from? Hi, I'm Sharon Howerton from Chicago, Illinois. Okay. How are you liking it here so far in Florida? Oh, it's been very nice. Nice and warm. Warmer than it was when we left Chicago. It was freezing rain when we left. So hopefully we won't have that tomorrow when we go home. It's been a lot of fun here. here with my wife Bobby Joe and we are from Charleston, South Carolina and uh, with my guide Brody who came from Southeastern Guide Dogs. Having a great time here at the conference. All right, good. Glad to have you here in Florida. I'm Suzanne Wilson. I'm from Massachusetts, and my. You want to take the mic here? Sure. I don't know what you want me to say, but I'm I'm from Massachusetts. My guide dog is Fave from Guide Dogs for the Blind in California, having a great time here and enjoying the good company and a lot of important information and good weather too. So that's all I have to say for now. My name is Sam Finley. I'm from Arlington, Virginia. I've had six guide dogs. I am currently dogless. I'm here with Suzanne to enjoy the weekend and our friendship and just the companionship of everybody here. Hi, I'm Cynthia Kaufman. I'm Julia Kaufman's mom. Can I let him talk to Julia? All right. Okay. Hey Julia, talk to them on the radio. Tell them who you are. Hi, I'm Julia with Guide Dog Renee from the Guide Dog Foundation. I live in Dallas, Texas. Whoop! They better not. Go Go Cowboys! You got this! There you go. Hello, my name is Kathiana, last name Reeves. 
I'm from Chicagoland area and I'm in the process of exploring the possibilities of getting my first dog. And it's ex I'm totally excited and happy to be here. I've already learned so much and I know there's so much more to learn and I look forward to it. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Sharon Howerton again from Chicago. And I forgot to say when I was on before that I have Cameo with me from Guiding Eyes. She will be seven this week. Hi everyone, it's Myra Brodsky and I'm here with Nana Brodsky, my seeing eye dog. And she's absolutely adorable. I think she's the smallest dog here. She weighed 36 pounds, and now, you know, with all her exercise, she's a little bigger. And this is great fun. You're missing a very good time, uh, very informative. The weather is unbelievable. I left horrible weather, and I'm so happy to be in Florida. See you all. Bye-bye. I'm eating salad. Hey, everybody. My name is Vicki. I'm sitting here with my husband, Ricky. My daughter, Nikki, is not here. She's back in New Jersey. Um, we're enjoying a banquet of, well, right now, just salad. Soon it will be good stuff. Barbecue chicken, pork, prime rib, filet mignon. Okay, just kidding, just kidding. Lobster. Anyway, we're having a phenomenal time here at Top Dog. Wish you all could be here two years from now, 2019. Plan to come to Top Dog because you're treated like the Top Dog here. It's a whole lot of fun and a whole lot of wonderful information. So, I am going to pass the microphone to the next Happy Top Dogger. Do you want me to pass it or are you going to grab that? Okay. My name is Richard, and uh, this is my first top dog. Uh, actually, I'm with my, I'm dogless. I'm, I'm uh, legally blind, so I'm blighted. And uh, I'm going to pass this to the next person in line who I'm with. Richard is blighted. Hi, my name is Melissa. I'm here at my first top dog. I'm from Boston. And um, that's it. Yeah, Bean Town. Who are you here with for dog? Oh, I'm here f with Theo from Guide Dog Foundation. This is Andrea Judici from Connecticut here with Anders, my yellow lab from Guide Dogs for the Blind. Sure. Hello, my name. Nicholas Chidici, I am here from Maine with my Fidelco dog, Bernie. Okay. I'm going to pass you now to the legend, the legend now presenting John Byfield. I don't need to introduce myself then. Thank you, Nick. Uh, what do you want me to say? Just a few words? 
John, maybe your social security number? <laughs> no, I don't give out my social security number. Uh, but I've been to, a, over the years, I've been to a number of top dogs. And I think it's a great event. It's very informal. It's very friendly. Always interesting topics. And I wouldn't miss it for the world. And I hope I'll have a chance to come back to Georgia in two years. Hi, y'all. This is Audrey, and I'm from Southeastern with my guide dog, Jesse, and we come from sunny Charleston, South Carolina. Okay, here I am. Yeah, there you, 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 you left me. Oh. Here you go, young dog. Thank you, sir. Right. Yeah. Hello, everyone. My name is Tiffany Jolliffe. I'm from Arlington, Virginia. I am here with my guide dog from Guide Dogs for the Blind, Ray Lee. Oh, here he goes, Good evening. My name is Katie Frederick. I am here from Columbus, Ohio with my guide dog, Kenzo. You want to talk over Hello, my name is Laila. I am from Boca Raton, Florida. I am here with my dog. Her name is Gail from the CNI, Morristown, New Jersey. Okay, I'm Donna Corson, and I'm in between dogs, but I'm supposed to get a dog from GDB. So in the meantime, I have my husband here, and he's the filler in for the dogs. Okay, and he won't talk on there. Okay, Kathy, you're next. I'm gonna pass. Uh oh, where'd they go now? Oh, okay. Here it comes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, here you go. The talk right now? Yeah, go ahead. Hi, my name is Michelle Curtis. I'm from Tampa. This is my first time here at the Top Dog Convention, and I'm having a great time. Thank you. Yeah, right now. Hi, I'm Alicia, and I'm from here. And uh, this is my first top dog, and I have a black lab named Jerome, and we love CPR class the best. Hello, my, hello, my name is Marie Hennessy. I'm from Boston. And I have Azalea from Guide Dogs for the Blind. I've had a great time and learned a lot and have met some wonderful people and look forward to the next Top Dog Conference. My name is Jean Shiner. I'm from Exeter, New Hampshire. This is my first time being here. And I'm with Lady, and she is my guide dog from the Guide Dog Foundation. I've had dogs for almost 40 years. I've really loved seeing people that I haven't seen for a long time, like Doug Hall, John Byfield, 
Lois Bromley, a lot of people that live in the area that I don't see. And I'm having a wonderful time. I've loved all the workshops and the exhibits in the exhibit hall. And I plan on coming when it returns in two years in Georgia. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dana Trahan. I'm from Exeter, New Hampshire, and I'm here with my first guide dog, Brody, from the Guide Dog Foundation for the Blind. It's my first time at Top Dog. It's been a wonderful experience in so many ways, connecting with people, connecting with information, um, nice food, beautiful weather in Florida, loving it, and looking forward to the next one, too. Thank you. Hello, all you folks out there. My name is from Long Island, New York, part of the Long Island Council of the Blind as well. And all of you, this is my first top dog convention, and all of you who are out there listening, I hope you guys will be able to make it to the next convention. It's been fun and great. It was wonderful to meet so many new people and to learn so many new things. Enjoy. Good evening, everyone. My name is Cheryl Roshka. I am secretary for the Connecticut Council of the Blind. I am here at Top Dog with my guide dog, Lily, and this is my second Top Dog convention. Hope to see you folks at the next one. Good evening, Frank Sr. from uh, New York City. I'm here with uh, my beautiful fam, and uh, this is a tremendous opportunity for all guide dog users. Check it out next time. Savannah, Georgia, hopefully, right? And hey, and thank you very much. We're having a ball. Kitagawa from Minnesota, and this is my first time at Top Dog. I've really had a great time enjoying meeting all kinds of great people, and it's been lots of fun, and I hope you can come in two years. This is Colleen Kitagawa again from Minnesota, and I have Mackie. everybody, I'm Judy Matthews and my dog's name is Keats and he's from Guiding Eyes and we're having a great time here at Top Dog. Hey, I'm Casey Matthews. I am renting my wife's dog Keats for the weekend. Not! Ed, you want to say something? Oh no, I want to give it to my, my lovely girlfriend. Hi, I'm Joyce Dribben. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and I'm here with my very new seeing eye dog bonnet who i've only had since november and brought her back november 7th and hi to all radio listeners and i'm here with my boyfriend ed reed who do you want to say anything no, no? okay 
Hello, my name is Will Henry. I'm one of the field service managers for Guide Dogs for the Blind, and this is my first Top Dog Conference. Hi, my name is Pam Berman. I am an outreach alumni representative with Guide Dogs for the Blind. I am here with my new guide, Gumbo, my souped-up dog. Hi, I'm Lorraine Barkley, and I'm from uh, Butler, which is close to Pittsburgh. And I got my guide dog at Guide Dog Foundation. His name is Smitty, and he's my sixth guide dog. We've been to like three or four of these of the uh, conferences, and I love it. We have a good time here, and we go out and have fun. Do you want to talk? You're good. You got a job. Do you want to talk? Say something. Tell me your purpose. Hello, everyone. I'm from Long Island. Should I yell louder? <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. Um, I'm Linda Jones from Long Island, and um, I have my dog, my third guide dog, Charlie. No, you're fine. And um, it's wonderful to be here. She's important. H. Farrell, and I'm. This is my first time at a Top Dog Conference, and I'm here with a group from West Palm Beach uh, that's Guide Dog Handlers of the Palm Beaches. And I have a guide dog named Verlina from the Seeing Eye School who's six years old. My name is Libby Neufeld. I'm from Kansas City slash Jupiter, Florida. I got my wonderful dog from GDB. Top Dog Conference has been awesome. I've learned tons and tons of stuff. Sure. Hi, I'm Janet Ingber, and I've gone to a bunch of Top Dogs. Um, this, is a, this is a really great conference, as they all have been. This one had wonderful programming. I learned a lot. Learned canine CPR and about allergies and about uh, disaster preparedness with your dog when you're flying. And I'm here with my Lolly, which is half lab and half smooth-coated collie. And his name is Pete, and he's almost as big as a horse, and he's from Freedom Guide Dogs. Pass it to the right. Okay. Stick your hand out. Hi, I'm Marcy Weinberg, and this is my first top dog, and I also have been really enjoying myself, and I'm here with my first guide dog from Guide Dog Foundation. Her name is Pebbles, and she is part Yellow Lab, part Golden Retriever. Hi, I'm Bronwyn Bree Romery. I'm from Jasper, Georgia, as you can tell. And um, I'm here, my first top dog, like Marcy. Um, and I've just been having a wonderful time. It's great. Met lots of friends. Uh, everything has just been wonderful. And I am with my Fidelco guide dog, uh, Jaden. And she is a beautiful, wonderful diva dog, German Shepherd. Okay, just pass it to the right. Okay, to the right. Okay, yeah. there you go.
Hello, this is Gil Whitmore. I'm from Augusta, Maine, but I'm spending three months in Florida to get out of the snow and ice. I'm here with my guide dog, Vancouver, and he's from Guiding Eyes. And I'm, oh, oh gee, I should mention I'm here with my wife, Pauline, too. <laughs> Hi, this is uh, Pauline Lamontine from Augusta, Maine. Gil is my husband, and I'm here with um, my fourth guide dog, Ava, who is a black lab, who's four years old, from Guiding Eyes for the Blind. This is uh, our first top dog conference, and it's been very informative and enjoyable, and we've made new friends, and I recommend if you have the opportunity to go to top dog that you won't regret it, that it's a good experience. Okay. Hi, I'm Sam Hogel. I live um, in Ackworth, Georgia. It's a little suburb outside of Atlanta, but unfortunately I did not get the lovely Georgia accent. What a tragedy. Um, this is my first top dog, but definitely will not be my last. I'm with here with my second seeing eye dog. He's a yellow lab named Flash, and we were matched on June 1st of 2016, so we're pretty new. Um, and I love it here. They have tons of great events, and it's really organized a lot of thought and work into it and it's just awesome. Pretty good. Hello, my name is Brandy Pender. I'm from Queens, New York, and I have Pinta, a black lab golden cross from GDF. Just pass it to you right. Hi, I'm Tony Ames. This is my second top dog. And I'm here with Adora, my golden retriever from Guide Dogs for the Blind. And I'm from California. I'm Jane Sheehan from Silver Spring, Maryland. I've been to many, many top dogs. And I'm here with my almost 11-year-old yellow Labrador from Seeing Eye, Nugget. My name is Pat Sheehan, Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, I don't have a dog, I have a cane, and I just want to say to everyone listening out there that it's been 75 to 85 degrees down here in Orlando, Florida. We're having a great time enjoying this nice, warm weather down here. I'm Catherine, Catherine Clegg from Butler, Pennsylvania. I am here with my third seeing eye dog, Cagney, who's two, and um, I'm the first top dog, and I'm enjoying it, and go Steelers. Hi, I'm Eric Clegg. I'm from Yeah, I'm considering getting a guide dog, and if I do, I'd like a shepherd, and this convention is great. Do I pass this to my right? My name is Jasmine Robertson. I am from the Bronx, New York. I'm here at my first guide dog, Rosa. She's a yellow lab. She's almost seven in June. I can't believe it. My God. Um, <laughs> and it's my first um, top dog. Hi. My name is Janae Gates. I'm from Largo, Florida. This is my second top dog, the first with my dog, Tuesday, from Southeastern. 
I'm having a great time, and I just wish all of you could be here with us. Thank you. Okay. Good Vietnam. Derek Brinkman from Tarrytown, New York. Here with my first guide dog, Chester from Guiding Eyes for the Blind. And this is my very first top dog down here in Orlando and will not be my last. Thank you all. Hello, everybody here and on the radio. This is Margot Downey from the Buffalo, New York area with my fifth dog whose name is Isis. She is from the Seeing Eye. This is my first top dog, and I am having a wonderful time. Buddy? Passing it to me, yes. That's right. Hello, testing 0-1-2. Yeah. Hi, I'm Buddy Brandon, and I'm here from beautiful and hysterical Erie, Pennsylvania, um, with my fourth guide dog, Hildegard. Hildegard is owner-trained, so any um, lack in her training or any problem behaviors are all my fault. Um but yeah, she's my fourth. I'm having a fantastic time meeting wonderful people, and, and this is just fantastic and awesome, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Your turn, Lucy. All right, there you go. My name is Lucy Marr from Syracuse, New York. I have Jaden, a German Shepherd from the Seeing Eye, and I'm having a great time. I am a person of a few words. Here you go. I'm Melvin Reynolds. I'm here with my 22-month-old uh, Doberman from Pilot Dogs. I am the president of the Pilot Dog Alumni Association. This is my second top dog convention. I'm having a blast, and I can't wait until the next one. Hi, I'm Lois Butterfield. I'm here from Ponce Inlet, Florida, so not too far away, enjoying my third or fourth top dog. And it's always a good time, and the volunteers have been great, and Guide Dog Users of Florida did a fantastic job. Thank you. Okay. Just pass it to your right over here. Hi, I'm Mary Tyson from Daytona Beach, Florida. I'm here with my third guide dog from Southeastern, a black lab named Charlie, and we are having an awesome time. This has been a really excellent, excellent conference. I encourage everybody to attend the one in Georgia in 2019. Okay, here you go. All right, there, young man. She to talk. Oh, do you want to talk? Okay. Here. Good evening. I'm Nancy Burgess Hall from Halifax Council of the Blind in Daytona Beach. Um, I'm playing catch with colds with my husband, so he's having his turn right now and regrets not being able to be with all of you. Have a great rest of the conference. Hello, this is Soy La Reina Solis. I'm from Alvin, Texas, which is south of Houston. 
I'm taking a little vacation from my husband. I'm enjoying the trip here with my daughter, <laughs> Eva Bagheera. Hey, my name is Eva Bagheera. I'm from Houston, Texas, with my seeing eye dog Kim, and this is my um this is my first top dog conference, and I'm enjoying myself. Thank you. All right, thank you very much. This is Billy Guevara from Houston, Texas, with my second guide dog, uh, seeing eye dog Thomas. And Thomas does Thomas does not live with me. I live with him. Hi, my name is Ken Cozy, and I'm here with my wife Mary Cozy and uh, her guide dog. And I'm enjoying the trip. I uh, heartily uh, recommend this trip as a uh, spouse. Uh, come with your bride or your uh, husband or your friend or your partner. It is really a lot of fun. A lot of wonderful people here, and I'm enjoying it tremendously. Here's Mary. And bring money so you can buy things at the exhibit hall. I'm Mary Cozy. I'm from uh, the Chicago, Illinois area. I'm here with my sixth guide dog, Regina. She's from GDB in San Rafael, California. This is my third top dog. We're having a great time. Very well organized event. Thank you. Hi, everybody. It's Janine Stanley from Columbus, Ohio. OH. Oh, I don't hear an IO out there. Come on, Katie. All right, Katie gave us the IO. And I'm here with Roger, my little red golden retriever, who really wanted to go to Harry Potter World today instead of being here. But oh, well. All righty. There you go, Chelsea. Hey, everybody. It's Chelsea White from Dallas, Texas, here with my seeing eye dog, Hannah. And we have had a wonderful time here at Top Dog, as usual. All right, here you go. Uh, back. Hey, everybody. It's Becky Davidson from Mount Kisco, New York, where it's snowing. And I'm here with my husband, Ron, and my third guiding eyes for the blind dog, Lawson, who loves to chat. And uh, this is, I can't remember how many top dogs I've been to, but I don't ever want to miss one. This is a fabulous event. This is Ron Davidson from Mount Kisco, New York, here with my guiding eyes dog, uh, Queen Clarissa. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Debbie Grubb from Bradenton, Florida. And... <laughs> And hi, everybody. And the team, we are all so touched by all of your positive remarks, both on the radio and throughout the weekend. And we're just so glad that you're having a good time. It makes all the work worthwhile. Thank you so much. Hey, Charlie. Right here. Who's next? I'm next. Okay, here you go. Oops. Thank you. Hi, everybody. It's Charlie Crawford, and I... I, I I don't know how to follow that act. I mean, you guys are just tremendous. So we're, <laughs> we're having a wonderful time. And uh, hopefully you'll stick around and, um, and we'll have some words for you. And now I'll introduce my lovely wife. Good evening, everyone. This is Susan Crawford, Silver Spring, Maryland. And we're just thoroughly enjoying the Top Dog Conference, another fabulous conference. 
um, here in, in Orlando, Florida. Uh, great people, great guide dogs. My guide dog is a Freedom Guide Dog, Caltag, and um, just having a wonderful time in fellowship. Hi, everybody. I'm Kathleen Trutchell, and I hope everyone's enjoying your time. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful trip back home, too. And what what did you do uh, to organize this? What, what was your uh, capacity? Oh, gosh. Don't ask all that. <laughs> um, we all everything together. For everybody here, we wouldn't be here. So get everybody, give yourself a hand. There you go. Um, I want to I want to begin um, these thank yous come from the team but I'm sure as you have enjoyed this conference they come straight from your hearts as well so the first thing I want to do is to express our gratitude to the following guide dog schools and they've brought to this event their expertise and they have just given so much in terms of help and obvious meaningful contributions to the programs. So, Freedom Guide Dogs, Guide Dogs for the Blind, the Guide Dog Foundation, Guiding Eyes for the Blind, the Seeing Eye, Southeastern Guide dogs. Now, we have another list of thank yous to um, to the um, to organizations who um, have given significant financial um, assistance to us. Um, the first one is Alfie's Restaurant, um, Ormond by the Sea. Coalition for the Concerns of the Totally Blind, which is a chapter of FCB, Disney Theme Park, Dixieland Guide Dog Users, Florida Council of the Blind, Greater Orlando Council of the Blind, Helping Hands for the Blind, My Blind Spot, Inc., um, and SeaWorld Orlando. And we wish to thank publicly um, Ryan Mann, who was our webmaster. He'd never done this before, and he gave us his best, and we are so grateful to Ryan. We also want to thank our dear friend of a long, long time, Tony Ames. Tony gave us the contacts that we could get all of these wonderful stuffed toys for your goodie bag and for the... Um, and for the door prizes, our friends um, Vicky and Ricky Curley, who um, who obviously have helped all week and who gave us a donation, and we have we want to acknowledge um, a much much appreciated um, anonymous donation of food and drink to stock our um, our hospitality suite. Wow. Yeah. All right. We also want. To um, who uh, we also want to thank the people who have volunteered their time. I think there's not a there's not a person here 
there's, there's not a person here who I'm sure has not been helped at least once by one of these wonderful volunteers, and we're just so proud of them and the wonderful job they did for us. Um, we want to express our, our thanks to um, the veterinarian, Dr. Amy Long, from the um, Veterinary Emergency Center of Daytona. Um, she, um, she was wonderful in helping with the... Um, with the CPR, and, and they had a wonderful booth at the table, so thanks to them. And thanks to our GDUF member who gave us a little assistance along, some assistance along the way, Anne-Marie Medler. Um, and our wonderful band, um, Osley. Gonser and David and Brenda, um, Hildebrands, and, and, and that was wonderful. Another one of our wonderful GDUF members, Donna Corson. Our, our GDUF president, who is a little bit under the weather, but we're so happy to have him and his wonderful wife, who's been under the weather a bit herself. We're just glad to have them among us, Doug Hall and his wife, Nancy. Our very good friend for many years, and, and Florida's loss was George's gain, but we get him back from time to time, our wonderful streamer, um, John Richards. Our, um, our JW, um, JWA.org volunteers who were everywhere um, all week. And we, and we really um, appreciate them. Donna Rogalski. Brian Moses, Janet um, Carmeter, volunteers for treatment. We also want to thank for helping us with, with our accessible programs and in some other ways, Lighthouse Central Florida. Um, and we want to thank the area Lions Clubs. There were volunteers from the Lions Clubs around, and so we could, could not list everyone, but if just be thankful if you're a member of a Lions Club. Just know that there were Lions here helping us, and we are so grateful to them. Another wonderful GDUF member who um, helped us get everything organized with payment for this event and in so many other ways, our good friend Lois Butterfield. Um, now, um, I want to even though these people aren't here now because they had to leave early for the storm, let's really give it up from our wonderful kids from Mizzou. And one of my dear friends and one of Dina's dear friends, Ruth Haymaker and her husband and her um, and her. Um, Friend, girlfriend as well. So we are so honored to have all of these. And all of us on the team really want to thank each and every one of you. We know that even though we did our best to keep prices low and tried to have the best event, that all of you saved and, and had to get yourselves here. And we're so grateful to each of you for caring enough to come and your enthusiasm for this event. Thank you so, so much. So give it up for yourselves as well. Yes, Dixieland. Dixie. Yeah, I, don't worry, I did. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Um, we are now coming to um, the highlight of the evening for many of us, and that is our banquet presenter. Back in, um, I guess, 94, 95, for a very brief time, before the internet became ubiquitous, the seeing eye had a little bulletin board called Buddy. And for, now Charlie, behave yourself. And, and for, for a five or six months, many of us became good friends from that list. The buddy list, I, uh, the buddy bulletin board. I have two, at least two or three life friends that I made from that list. And Charlie is no exception. When he was on that list, he was the commissioner for the Massachusetts, um, whatever they called it up there. Yeah. Anyway, for the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation Services, everybody calls it something different. But, Charlie came across as one of us. He was funny, and everybody immediately took a liking to him. And I have known Charlie ever since then, and I've seen him walk through his life with his head held high and a smile on his face, even when life wasn't always kind. And I, I think I admire him. He's one of the people in the world that I admire most. And I asked Charlie, to tell us something of his life, but in, in terms of how his life has changed and evolved and the guide dog partners that he has teamed with over the years. And I just know you're going to find Charlie warm and knowledgeable and funny, and he loves his dogs very much. I will tell you one little anecdote before I give it to him. When Charlie had his last guide dog before Raisin in the Sun, his name was Mason, and Charlie told some of us, and I hope he'll tell us how this changed in his story. He told some of us that he thought this was going to be his last guide dog, and I don't think there was a person that he told who didn't shed a tear or two. And when we saw that he was going back to the seeing eye, and he came home with his little raisin in the sun, all of us rejoiced with him and rejoiced with Sue. So it was. it is with great, great honor and, and privilege to introduce to you our friend Charlie Crawford, who currently chairs the advocacy committee for Guide Dog Users Incorporated. Charlie, the floor is yours. I'll use the wireless mic. I'm not. I'm not proud. Good evening, everybody. What? I turned to you. Oh. All right. I got one of these excited things I have to do now. I have to like look at the audience. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm turning around already. <laughs> uh, I don't want to run over raisin in the sun here. Okay. I'm hoping to face the right direction now. Can all of you see me okay? <laughs> uh, I, um, I want to I start off by certainly thanking um, Debbie and Kathleen and Sarah uh, Susan for having put this this thing together in a way that I don't know I mean I've not had much this much fun in a long time so um, I just want to say a sincere thanks and and God bless you all for what you've done here and what what we all do together okay that's it thanks good night um, <laughs> um, I I do appreciate the opportunity to come and talk to you about what um, 
what I can share about my life and, and what's happened in it that, uh, you know, some of it's pretty, um, pretty dramatic, dramatic, some of it's really boring, um, and some of it is um, real, and most of it is sincere. I, um, I was told um, back when I was in, at Inter-American University by the eye doctor, um, another 20 years, you lose your sight. But, you know, you got 20 years left, so, you know, take advantage of it. Two months later, I was totally blind. So, you know, there are errors in science. <laughs> um, and so I had a problem. I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do with the rest of my life. Um, I knew that I, I needed to get some, some help because um, one day I walked into a six-foot ditch, and there was no warning placed around it, nothing. So um, obviously, I didn't see as well as I thought I did. And um, so to make a long story short, I ended up um, going to a rehab center and, and uh, learned how to use a mobility cane. I used that for a year, and I did pretty well with it. Um, but one day I thought to myself, you know, dogs are so much fun, and I need a friend. So how about I get a dog, like Yukon King? And, uh, you know, Rin Tin Tin, whatever. You know, there's... <laughs> I always had this romantic vision of dogs. And I had, a, you know, I had a dog named Shep when I was a kid, and he was a wonderful dog. So, you know, any, anybody like Shep would do. Anyway, so I made an application to the seeing eye, and... Um, and fortunately, I was accepted to go there. So in June of, I think it was 70 or 71, now just get old, you can't remember these things. But anyway, um, I went to the seeing eye. And I got there, and they took my cane away. I said, what? You're taking my cane away? I didn't know. How am I supposed to get around? Oh, it's a guide dog school. That's right. <laughs> um, anyway, so Doug Roberts, who was my first instructor, is a very wonderful man. Um, he, take, he took the cane away. He said, well, I won't need this anymore. Is that really? <laughs> so, and you know, never having used a dog, I had no idea what the hell was going on. But then they took me on my first Juno walk. And um, me and Juno did pretty well together, you know, just zoom right out there. And uh, so this is not bad, you know, hope the dog's as good as this guy. <laughs> anyway, so, um, so then I got my first dog, and her name was Patsy. And I called her Pat, Pat, Patsy. And later on, I called her Dainty Paws. <laughs> And that's how I started this whole this whole stream of consciousness here now. Um, Patsy was a wonderful dog, and I um, I didn't think so until one day she walked me into the side of a of a door jam. And I said, "Ow!" And she turned her head around and licked my hand. Now that's that was saying, "I love you, Daddy. Don't worry." Um, so so then she walked me into another door jam. No, no. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so. Patsy and I went to New York City. I was going to live in the big city of New York and be a really cool guy. And uh, I had lived uh, the previous 10 years in Puerto Rico, so I was thinking that going to New York City was like the best place in the world to go. So and I was going to be a, I was gonna be a uh, blue-collar hero because that's when, uh, when the Beatles had that song about working hero or whatever it was. Anyway, so um, I went to New York City, and I'm there with a friend of mine, and we're at this, uh, this place there, and... And he went to get something, and I said, "Okay, I'll wait for you." And and um, and I uh, I said, "You know, um, you, you get me a, get me a cup of coffee." So sure. So I had my hand out for the cup of coffee. Somebody comes by and puts a quarter in my hand. <laughs> now, really, 
I'd heard that blind folks had gotten quarters before, but I never knew it was that easy. Um, so anyway, I, um, I then decided that I'm going to maybe live here in New York. And um, I went to an ice cream store one day, and I'm sitting there having my ice cream, and little Patsy's there, and she's happy. And then this guy walks into the place, and he starts screaming at the top of his lungs. Stop at the top of his lungs. I can't stand this place. You're either... You're either going to end up totally nuts or everybody's going to ignore you. I said, gee, if that's going to happen to me, if I'm going to leave, I, better, I guess I better leave. <laughs> so I went to New Hampshire. That's, there's a change of scenery there. <laughs> um, so I went from, I went from New Hampshire. I had this big dream. You know, I was a kid back then. I was like 20. And um, so I was going to be a dish jockey. That's what every blind guy wants to be when he grows up. So... And I was the sound hound. And I did a good job on my program, too, I'll tell you. Um, I actually had a job for one week and a 50,000-watt FM station. And um, they all liked it okay, but, you know, eh, didn't get any money for them, so I guess they didn't like it that much. So anyway, um, I then came to, to Boston, Massachusetts from New Hampshire to go to Graham Junior College. And little Patsy came along with me, obviously. And uh, so I got to tell you that the one thing that really kind of got my attention with little Patsy was when we first got to New Hampshire and I was at Plymouth State College, I went to walk down a flight of stairs. And there was, you know, the stairs went straight down and then they took a left and went straight down again. And it was like on a hill. So I got down the first set of stairs, no problem. I get to the landing and we're facing the drop-off. <laughs> and I tell Patsy, okay, Patsy, forward. Patsy starts to take a step and then goes, wait a minute, I'm not going to do this. This guy's nice, but I'm not going to die for him. So anyway, um, so she stops, and I say, oh, what's going on here? And then I realized that she was stopping me from falling off the stairs. So that's pretty cool. Anyway, so we get, to, we get to Boston, and I call the Commission for the Blind. And this is a true story, so I'm not going to tell the guy's name because... He'd be really ticked off if I'd say it. <laughs> but I called the commission for the blind. I talked to this guy. I'm, I'm down here from New Hampshire, and I'm blind, and I, and I, you know, I just want to get my life together and do cool things. And then this guy gets on the phone and says, you know, all these people get struck by the bright lights of the city and want to come down to Boston. I thought to myself, I'm blind. I can't even see the bright lights of the city. <laughs> but anyway, I said, well, okay, whatever. And... Um, the SSI was good, so, you know, <laughs> I basically signed up for the program, and I was on my way. And my first, my first um, um, engagement with advocacy came then, because my first counselor, I won't say his name because he was kind of stupid, um, but we had a discussion, and I said, I want to do this. He said, you can't do that. I said, why not? Well, you can't do it. I said, well, you know, I'm... I think I can. I really should. Well, I'm sorry, you can't. Well, if you don't let me do it, I'm going to go to my senator. He said, well, you know that could start a national problem. I said, good. <laughs> <laughs> so that set up my um, my perception as someone of a uh, oppositional person at time, from time to time. But then I, I made another decision. I knew that I had spent a year of my life basically doing not much but playing with little Patsy and, and going to school. And so I said to myself, either you're going to stay the way you are, which is basically you know, doing nothing, 
Or you can take what you have and use it for the best advantage you can and make whatever you can out of your life because it's yours. It's nobody else's. And with that decision, I began what I guess I call Charlie Crawford 2.0. And at that point in time, um, I got involved with, um, with a little combo, called ourselves the Boston Commoners, com Commoners from Boston Commons, and we sang country music at a dive on Revere Beach. And um, the, I forget the name of the place now, it's like Okie Finoki or something. Um, but anyway, uh, I spent a, about six to eight months doing that, and then I ended up going to Arkansas. No, going to Arkansas to the um, Arkansas Enterprises for the Blind, AEB, and um, I met a guy there named Elmo Knock. Now, anybody who's been to Arkansas and met Elmo, you'll always remember him. He was strange, but he was a nice guy. And uh, he got me interested in computers. So I came back to, to Massachusetts, and I had gotten a job at the Attorney General's office as a, um, a person helping people at the Consumer Protection Division. And that was kind of fun, but it was also, um, it wasn't quite what I wanted to do. But during my time there, I learned a lot about the fact that law can be something that can be very helpful to people. And that if you, if you honor the law, and you believe in the law, and you follow the law, the likelihood is that, well, first of all, you'll be legal, but secondly, you'll probably get some good things done. And so I became involved with a group called the Blind Leadership Club, and I wrote the Constitution for it and did all that, and uh, became its first president. And then that was a bunch of kids. We were all like in our 20s. And we um, heard a guy named uh, Durward K. McDaniel came talk to us from ACB. And we also talked with the local NFB folks. And um, we uh, went with ACB because you couldn't have two chapters in the same place at one time back then. So anyway. We, we did that, and we were real happy, and we had a constitutional court, and we had all kinds of stuff going on with blind leadership. I tell you, five meetings a week? I mean, this was serious business, guys. And we had a, we had a, a committee that I called the Employment of the Handicapped Now Committee. And we, we wrote a bill for the legislature, and Barney Frank introduced it for us at the Massachusetts legislature. And it was, I think it was House Bill 2528 or something like that. And it had allowed for blind folks not to be discriminated against in employment. And that was my first venture into politics. And we lost. But we didn't lose by much. As a matter of fact, the bill passed the House. And the bill passed the Senate. But it passed in the last minutes of the, of the legislative session. So even though it passed, it couldn't go into law because it didn't have time to print it. So here we have these kids, 20 years, 20-something, 20 leaving the state house in tears because we had put our hearts and souls into trying to get this to work. It was very disappointing. But you know, sometimes out of disappointment comes real insight. And the insight we got was we lost it there, but the dream was worth it, and we have to do it again. And we'll keep doing it until we get it. And that's called persistence. And that's something that we developed, and I'm real proud of that. Anyway, so then we went on in our, in our little journey, and um, I went to work for the Massachusetts Commission for the Blind 
as its as its director of um, client assistance programs. And in that, I had the advantage of being able to use the stuff that I had learned at the Attorney General's office, along with a course that I took in um, Section 504 law from the Public Interest Law Center of Philadelphia, PILCOP, and I um, parlayed those two uh, sets of expertise into working on a project that would advise blind folks of their rights, benefits, and responsibilities under the federal and state laws. And, it, and in that job, I wrote what I, was, what, what I called a guide to self-advocacy. That was in 1980. And that guide to self-advocacy was very successful. A lot of people liked it. A lot of people quoted it. I don't know why, but they did. And um, it had, I think, as its seeds of success were in the fact that it was, it was a document of hope. It talked about how yeah, you're blind. Yeah, life is not so good when you first lose your sight. But hey, you're still you. And if you take advantage of what the state has to offer and, the, and the other folks have to offer, you can build something out of that and make something of your life that you can be pleased with. And so the guide to self-advocacy sort of rolled out and everybody was happy with it. And I'm fast-forwarding now. And about three years after that, well, actually in the same year, I met my wife. Well, we won't go into that. Anyway, so um, we uh, about three years after I, I got the guide to self-advocacy, was at the client assistance program, um, I had applied for a job as the director of the State Office of Handicapped Affairs. And I was interviewed, and um, I got the job. And so I gave my acceptance speech um, for that job. And I guess it was a pretty good speech, because the governor was there, and he was really impressed. And... Um, so I ended up um, being offered the job as commissioner of the blind in 1984. And so in 1984, I did become the Massachusetts commissioner of the blind. And there are a couple of things that I brought with me into that, into that position. One was, a, one was an appreciation of all the people that we were serving, that they were just like me. And whatever I did with any one of them, I did to myself. So it was important that I had good service for folks. The second thing that I brought with me was an appreciation for automation and computers. So I did two things with that. One is I started the, um, well, I actually, I expanded the, uh, the uh, technology program for blind folks in Massachusetts, um, did a big expansion of that. And I also started what I call the, Mass the MCBBBS, Massachusetts Commission for the Blind Bulletin Board. It had 10 nodes. And uh, I think something like, uh, I think like 75 games or something like that on it, and all kinds of information pieces, and just, it was really a great bulletin board. But then the internet came along and screwed that all up, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, I, then, I then, during that period of time, became interested in what's going on nationally. With um, I became the uh, president of the National Council of State Agencies for the Blind, and I also... Um, became involved with advocacy for more accessibility of um, information in the computer environment for, um, for national purposes uh, in, in terms of the, of the information and distribution of information that the federal government did. And so I had the privilege then of meeting some pretty important people. And one was um, Judge, Judge Leon Suhanek and 
he was a he was a judge in the um, in the federal bureaucracy that had to do with contracts. So it was his job to to determine with if somebody actually had complied with the rules associated with um, Section 503 of the Rehabilitation Act, which basically said you had to have accessible stuff if you're going to work with the government. And um, he was very uh, involved and very um, dedicated to that. And I'm, I'm sorry to say that, you know, the rest of the world around him just wasn't all that interested in whether or not stuff was accessible. And so... Um, as much as I think he tried, he also, he wasn't as successful as he could have been. And I think consumers, we missed our opportunity to get together and to get behind Sahanik and, and to do what needed to be done. But then I, I wrote a letter to uh, President uh, Bush back then, the first one, and I said, you know, it's great that we have all these, um, all these laws, but you know, you guys aren't doing your job. I mean, you're not accessible. People are not getting jobs. And when you do get jobs, you end up in inaccessible environments. So come on, let's get real about this. Well, believe it or not, the administration got back in touch with me and they said, why don't you come down to Washington and see us? Said, okay. So I went down to Washington and saw them. And I brought 60 pages of documentation with me. And I guess that that caused them to pay some attention because then they... They really did start trying to do more work with Microsoft and other mm -hmm. companies. Um, what? So um, they started working with Microsoft and other companies to, to bring more accessibility to the workplace. Now, I know all of you are going to say, well, you know, that's great, Charlie, but gee whiz, you know, it's still not so good. And I agree, it's still not so good. But the reason for that is only because we still need to do our advocacy and we still need to keep keep the, the foot on the pedal so that the car seats going forward. I um, I then worked with a group of consumers and uh, agency people and we, we put pressure on the feds and on the uh, on Microsoft to make Windows accessible. And we, we had some success in the beginning but not a whole lot. But over time, over time we did make the progress that we needed to make. And that's important because ultimately, if we have the tools to do the job we need to do, then that job will be done well and it'll be done right. If they don't give us the tools, then all we can do is try and hopefully get somewhere with it, but not a whole far, not far enough. Anyway, I then, um, I'm really fast forwarding a lot of this stuff. I then went to, I went then, uh, went to, Washington as the new executive director of the American Council of the Blind in 1998. And um, I had the privilege of knowing Paul Edwards and Brian Charleston and all the folks from, from back then. And a uh, special shout out to Paul if he's listening because he's a great guy. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> um, but I, I went to ACB with full of hope, full of hope that together as consumers we could we could speak truth to power, we could enlighten folks, and we could build a world in which all of us could succeed. And I really believe that. I believed it so much that I um, got together with uh, other advocates from blind veterans and from NFB, and we did a fair amount of work together in the early years to try and bring together a, a larger and more focused consumer effort to get advocacy done. 
And we had some success back then. You'll remember um, audio description, that that program we had with DVS. That was that was all those postcards people did. That made an impact on Congress. And so we ended up getting DVS for a short time anyway. And we had other successes as well, primarily in the area of computing. You know, there's 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 always that little battle with Microsoft, but they always had a little computer group that worked with us, and we made slow but steady progress. Nowadays, I think we're getting a whole lot closer to what we really need to be. But it was a it was a consortium of really dedicated people. It was Paul Schrader, there was Jamal Mazrui, there was myself, a number of people. We all just kept reminding the folks that we needed to have inclusion for blind folks because that was important. And that also gave me a better feeling of where I was at in my life. That yeah, I could have I could have taken the easy way out and basically done nothing with my life. But then again, what would I get? Nothing. And then I also realized that for people, a lot of people who do not do as much as, as I'd done, that's not their fault. It's just that it's who they are. And I'd rather see somebody be a very successful um, um, person in a job doing whatever that he can do well, then have somebody who basically has to try and impress everybody but doesn't really have the, uh, the knowledge to do what needs to be done. So that's one, that's a, that's a long way of saying be proud of yourself no matter what stature in life you are because you are you and you're important. And we all are that. So then I went to the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs and I was director of blindness programs for the Veterans Administration. And that was a very challenging position, I'll tell you. But I didn't have a lot of time to, to figure that out because the second month I was there, I had a cerebral aneurysm and it burst. And I had a 32% chance of surviving, never mind getting to where I am now. So it was blindness all over again. This time it was a different challenge, but I had to meet it with some level of, of internal fortitude and to do what I could do or basically give up. And I'm not someone who gives up. So with a wonderful God and a wonderful wife, I was able to come back after 59 days in the hospital and a, what was it, 13-hour operation, something like that? Yeah. And a couple of years of rehab, yeah. So I had to learn how to talk again, learn how to walk again. And all I can remember from those days was having these two big, big, um, like, boxing gloves on. So I wouldn't pick at my skull after the operation on my head because of the aneurysm. And I'll also confess one other thing. I've always disliked fish, to put, put it mildly. <laughs> but during the course of my rehabilitation, because the drugs were so strong, I guess, and I really wasn't all that conscious, I had myself a salmon. Um, <laughs> they, they fed me fish, yeah. And I survived. So there you go. <laughs> Take that, bird's eye. Anyway, so I... Uh, 
I then, I then had to, again, make a decision. I was not going to be able to, um, going to be able to continue with what I was doing. I mean, you know, my dog had to go back to seeing eye because, you know, it would be far too long if I ever got better for her to, to wait. And after about, I guess a year or two, I, I got in touch with the seeing eye and, and they, they came down and they evaluated me and said, well, you know, it's pretty good. You can walk 500 feet now. But guess what? If you're going to use a guide dog, you know this already. You're going to have to walk a lot farther than that. So I did, I took that as a challenge. I said, okay, I'll do it. So I, um, walked around and walked around and walked around. Ultimately got to a point where I was able to get a dog. And that's when I got Mason. And Mason was this big old yellow lab. Some might have called him a miniature horse, but he was, he was a good dog. He was a very patient dog too. Put up with me. He was very patient. Um, but anyway, so Mason and I, um, we would, we would go to all the meetings I was going to and, and I, I did a lot of volunteer work and I still do. Um, and I, I wanted to, to, to be involved. Still, I wanted to be involved. I knew I couldn't go back to my job at the VA because I just really didn't have it to do that anymore. But, the worst things that happened to me as a result of that aneurysm was uh, a problem with or, um, um, spatial orientation, not exactly knowing where I am at times, and also a little problem with my right foot. But that's, you know, count your blessings, Charlie. If that's all that happened to you, you're doing all right. And it's true. It's true. I was doing all right. And I wanted to give back to the to the world because, you know, there's still something in me that makes things happen, and they happen for all of us. So I immediately joined up, became the uh, uh, member of the Montgomery County Commission on People with Disabilities. I became the representative to the Statewide Rehabilitation Council for um, Maryland. I, uh, I got involved with uh, some of the Independent Living Center folks, and I, and I also um, have become a board member of the Equal Rights Center, which is a national organization based in Washington. And I also um, have, uh, I've also done a lot of transportation work now. I'm on the uh, Council of Governments, um, Access for All Committee, and as a member of that, I'm on the Advisory Committee to the uh, Board of the Washington Area Metropolitan Transit Authority. In other words, I got a lot to do. And it's not, it's <laughs> and it's not that, it's not all that simple either. I mean, try and read through some of that stuff. Oh, God. But anyway, I have, I have, um, managed to keep involved and I've not said anything about my dogs yet. And I wanna, I wanna sort of wind this up talking about the pups. Because, you know, there's nothing better in the world, in my view, than having a wonderful relationship with your dog. <laughs> I mean, obviously my wife and my family too, but I mean, <laughs> but I, uh, I remember Patsy. I called her Dainty Paws. And the reason I called her that was because I was stupid and I had nothing else to say. Um, but she was, she was a wonderful dog. And, and we would play. And you know, you, you know, when you're, you take a glove and you take one end and the dog takes the other end, you know, and try to get it out of tug of war. And, oh, it was fun. Anyway, so, um, one day Patsy and I were walking in Boston and, and we went on, um, we went on a train after work and, uh, 
I got on the train and the guy was standing there and I was standing there and this guy goes, um, over here, sir, you want to sit down? Said, oh, no, it's okay. I've been standing all day. I've been sitting all day. Oh, no, it's okay, sir. Have a seat. Have a seat. No, no, it's okay. Fine. No problem. Tap, 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 tap. Here's the seat right over here. Have a seat. No, thanks. Dog jumps up on the seat. <laughs> well, that was act one of Patsy. Um, act two came a few years later when... Um, no, that was Dimples. That's right. Okay, sorry. Um, I had to. I had to, um, to say that that Patsy was probably the most the most animated, wonderful dog. I mean, she had a ring tail, so because she was half husky and half shepherd, so she get she come up to a table at a restaurant, and she go to lie under the table. But for that moment, while she was under the table and not lying down yet, her tail would ring up over the table like a hat rack. <laughs> And sometimes she'd be wagging her tail, saying, wang, wang, wang. <laughs> it was so cute. Um, anyway, so Patsy was a wonderful dog. And, um, and I gotta say that I, I, I still miss her and, um, like of them all, but you know, she was just the first. Anyway, so we, my parents were down in Puerto Rico at the time. So we, we retired Patsy in Puerto Rico and I got on a plane and, and went to back to the seeing eye for my next dog. And that dog, um, that was Jason. No, it was Jason, I think. Uh, oh, that's true. Okay. Yeah, Dimples. So I get to the, get to the seeing eye, and Ed Hout, Outhout was my instructor. Anybody who remembers Ed Outhout um, will certainly remember him. Uh, he, was, he was, like, very military, <laughs> and he liked the scotch, too. Um, but he was... <laughs> He was an okay guy. He was very, very strict, but you know, he was strict, but fair. Anyway, so we got trained with Dimples. Now, Dimples was kind of a strange name for a dog. But then again, since I'd already called Patsy Dainty Paws, I had to come up with a name for Dimples. First one was Dimples D. Doggy. That was kind of cute. Um, then I decided Dim Dum was better. So she became Dim Dum. And I never called her that, like, officially anywhere. <laughs> um, but that's what I called her. Hers a pet name. So anyway, Dimples was a great dog. And, um, one day I was um, I was making supper and I was busy on the kitchen and I um, you know put the butter out butter out for the um, for the muffins and this and that and everything else and so I'm off at the oven and all of a sudden I go back to get the butter and there's no butter in the dish and little Dimples who was always so good was lying around doing nothing except enjoying herself. <laughs> So, obviously, we know what Dimples was up to. The tragedy about Dimples, well, it wasn't so much a tragedy, but she became very nervous, and after working seven years in, in Boston, uh, anybody would go nuts after that, but anyway, after working seven years in Boston, she, um, she began to show signs of real stress. And so one time we went down to, um, to Florida to visit my brother down here, and... Um, Dimples was showing a lot of stress on the way down, so I saw a vet while I was down here. She said, well, let me give her a little Valium for going back. I said, this is Valium for a dog? Hey, why not? All right, whatever. So on the way back, she took a Valium. She got on the plane, very mellow. Da, da, da. Halfway through the flight, she realizes that she's on a plane. And she's drugged. <laughs> and she didn't like it. So all of a sudden, ding, right up on the guy's next to me's lap, there's Dimples. Panting and looking out the window. <laughs> I apologize profusely, you know, 
really. And the guy goes, no problem. I love doggies. <laughs> so, okay. So anyway, um, I, uh, I got back to Boston and, and Dimple started shaking when she got on buses and all. it broke my heart. So I decided, well, I'm going to have to retire you, sweetie, because, you know, this is not, this is not good for you or me. Anyway, so one of the people in my office said that they had a friend who would adopt her if it was okay. And so I said, yeah, sure, why not? Because they had a kid and it was all right. About a week after they, she got adopted, I got a call and saying that they had left dimples off in the pound. Yeah. So I, I was still a commissioner then, so I said to my assistant, I said, you know, let's get in the car, we're going, to, going out to this dog pound. So I went out to a dog pound, and there she was. And she was standing behind this fence. And she was all alone. It was so sad. So anyway, I got her out of there. I said, come on, Dibble, she's coming with me. And um, so she came over. She was very happy then. And uh, the seeing eye came and got her. And they have her retired in a farm in New Jersey, I believe, where she can look at the trains go by and laugh at them now. So <laughs> I'm very happy about that. how that ended. It was, it was tough. Anyway, so um, after after Dimples, I got Jason, and Jason turned out to be not the great. <laughs> he turned out to be a little tough guy, you know. He was um, he didn't show any aggression at school at all. But after he got home with me, he said, he "said I don't like life." Yeah. He was on a bus. We're riding on a bus. He sees a dog across the street, and the door is not even open on the bus. Uh oh. So I called Doug Roberts. He says, let me come and see this dog. So he comes up. And Doug and I are walking around my neighborhood in Lexington. And uh, these two huskies are there. Jason sees them. Dum, da, dum. It's fight time. And Jason's, Bleh. Doug Roberts says, correct him. Whap. Correct him. Whap, whap. Give me the leash. Okay. Whap, whap, whap. Well, this dog's going back to C and I. So anyway, um, then we we ended up yeah, we ended up getting another dog from from the eye, and uh, this one um, we had Raisin the first. Now Raisin was a German Shepherd, and she was just this wonderful dog. And I I have to tell you that she. She did her job really well, and she oh, sorry, yeah. She always she said, um, "I I I couldn't have had a better dog than her. She just did everything really well." And one day after um, it was the election day in 1990, I believe, when when Governor Well got elected in Massachusetts, and I was on my way home from from work, and I got to the um, to the intersection of uh, of Washington Street and and. Uh, in winter, and um, this dog attacked Raisin. It was a pit bull. And Raisin, all, all of a sudden, I just felt, and Raisin, like, you know, Raisin was biting back, but this dog was, like, pretty vicious. So anyway, um, I yelled at the guy who had the dog, and he was kind of laughing. So, no, the dog wasn't on leash. And then, um, whatever, the dog, the dog finally got off Raisin, and Raisin worked me home. Injured as she was, she got in the subway, stuck the bus, and she got home. And I was just, I was devastated. 
And our friend who was a veterinarian came over and looked at her and said, well, she's got some puncture wounds in her, in her shoulder, um, but she'll be okay. The next day, I called the Boston police chief. Hi, this is the commissioner of the blind. And there's his dog. And I want to report it. That dog's never been seen in Boston since. The second thing I did was I went to the legislature and I asked them to toughen the laws dealing with attacking dogs. And so they passed a law that made it a high crime to um, attack a guide dog. And that law is still in place today. So, thank you. So then, and Raisin continued working, that's right. Raisin developed what's called a uh, adrenal failure. She had one adrenal gland that was bad. And it was terrible because, you know, all of a sudden she started like, I call her and she comes to me and she was urinating all the time, even as she was walking towards me. And um, she started chewing everything that was leather in the house. And um, we didn't know what to do, so we took her to the vet. And the, finally the vet said, oh, I think, you know, let me take do an exploratory operation. He did, and he found one adrenal gland infected and the other one's all right. So he took it out. Almost overnight, she became raisin again. Just a sweet dog. And it was, it was, I remember leaving the vet's office that, that one day and she was working. And she got to the corner of the, uh, waiting for the taxi. And she was good as gold. I mean, it was like she'd never been sick. It was just wonderful. To make a long story short, a couple of years later, I was walking around to Parker in the morning and she slowed down. <laughs> and she died. And I couldn't leave her out there. I picked her up and I brought her in the house. And we had, we had her taken care of. And I called the seeing eye and Doug Roberts answered and said, <laughs> I can't imagine how hard it's to be Doug Roberts. Doug. She's dead. <laughs> Doug, what? What? <laughs> Patsy's dead. I mean, Raisin's dead. Well, anyway, then um, that was in March. Of, I don't remember the year now, but it was, oh, it was something else. Well, then I got another dog. And this dog, his name was Quincy. And my computer always said Quinky. But anyway. <laughs> Quincy. Quincy was a wonderful dog, except he had one problem. He couldn't shut up. <laughs> I mean, my wife was there with me, and I was giving a speech one day. And during the speech, it lasted 30 minutes. He had 50 barks from Quincy. <laughs> she counted them. So then we went to a convention of ACB in Chicago, and Quincy was his normal self. <laughs> and bark, 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 bark. I was giving a speech to the vendors, and... Terry Pacheco, a friend of ours, had to take Quincy out of the room because he wouldn't shut up. <laughs> so I got on the phone with Robertson. I said, Doug, I hate to tell you this, but you just got to leave now. <laughs> I can't, can't deal with this dog anymore. And Doug, Doug wasn't, he wasn't vicious. He wasn't aggressive. He was just chatty. And he never barked at school. So it just goes to show you, you can't always tell. Well, anyway, so Quincy went away and along came Ruth. And I got to say, Ruth is a wonderful, wonderful dog. She was like another raisin. She was just this greatest little Labrador, and she always did everything perfectly. Well, mostly. <laughs> until, 
until one day <laughs> we were having a party at our house and um, Susan had put out a little table, you know, for cheese and crackers and, uh, and a nice big cheese ball there. And uh, she went back to the kitchen, got some crackers, brought them out, and the cheese wasn't there. <laughs> and she looks down on the floor, and there's Ruth on her back with her little paws wagging in the air, <laughs> with a big ball of cheese in her mouth. <laughs> Happy New Year. That was a wonderful dog. So, yeah, so Ruth was, Ruth was a treasure. And... Uh, so after Ruth, and it's hard to say anything after Ruth because she was just so good, um, but that's when I got um, Gigi, or Gigi, some called her, and um, I got her, uh, and that was just as I had started with the Veterans Administration. And though, so then I didn't have Gigi very long because unfortunately I had the aneurysm and all that, so so she, she had to go away. And, um, but I'm sure she must have been doing okay um, but after my time with, with, with after the aneurysm, I really didn't know what I was going to do. Because not only was I faced with blindness, I was also faced with all these other issues that needed to get resolved one way or another. And fortunately, um, as I say, I came through it to the point where I'm at. And um, so um, I, I got a hold of, I did Mason. And I was... I was able to take uh, paratransit to different meetings that I went to, and also I could take the uh, the ride on local bus uh, on a limited basis, and um, and so I was doing okay, but not not great in terms of absolute mobility. But I learned to adjust and and to to gear up again and do what I could with uh, what I had to do it with, just as before, and um, and worked on these different issues. And um, Mason was a wonderful dog. But one day, we went to the vet, and uh, Mason was kind of slow that day. And um, the vet said, uh, I think um, your dog has to get looked at because she has um, some, um, some clustered fluid around her heart, around his heart. I'm sorry, Mason was a guy. And um, so, again, we have a friend that was a vet, and uh, so she... We took her up to this fancy hospital up in in uh, in uh, Gaithersburg, Maryland, and um, turned out, yes, she did have a uh, uh, yeah. What was it again? Hemangiosarcoma. I thought I'd never forget that name, but anyway, what it meant was that um, she had basically a situation where if she might have a couple of weeks to live. At most, if you if you um, gave her a um, you know a needle in the in in the heart area to drain the cavity, and that was pretty hard to take. But I said to the doctor, I said, well, you know, I called Susan. She came out and we talked about it. And I said, I'm going to give her the best that I can because she's given me the best that he could. He could, yeah. And um, so I took Mason home with me after the day drained the cavity. And Mason was pretty good. He was fairly active and lively. And um, I made the mistake of going to the refrigerator. With my big sucker heart and his big take advantage attitude, <laughs> he got himself some cheese. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he was a resident at the refrigerator. 
So every time I went to the refrigerator, there was Mason too. And um, that dog ate more cheese than a mouse would ever dream of. Uh, but he enjoyed himself to the limit. And I'll tell you, that two weeks turned into two months. He, almost, almost three months, yeah, yeah. So almost three months that dog survived and he, was there, he did very happily. Um, but the end had to come at some point. And, and one day, just after we had been in Washington at a meeting of, um, uh, a meeting of the, I think it was the Federal Transportation um, Department, uh, we were at a meeting there and, and uh, after that meeting we walked around the, the mall on, in Washington and Raisin was doing, I mean, uh, Mason was doing very well and was being very, very cheerful and, and worked real well and I was, I was real pleased with him that day. The next day, the, the slow behavior, the non-interest in food was back. And I knew he was going to have to be put down. So I went to the vet, and I, I was with him at his last. And he just looked up at me. And we've all been through that. I know it's hard for everybody. So then I started using my cane. And... I talked to, to, to Jim Kutch at, at the Seeing Eye, and I said, Jim, I don't, I don't think I'll ever get another dog again. He said, why? I said, well, you know, I'm kind of old now, Jim. He says, you're not old. Right, come on, get real. Oh, gee, Jim. <laughs> um, he said, you need to come back and get another dog. And uh, so I thought to myself, I don't know if I can do that. It's not fair to the dog that I, you know, I just, I just take it, you know, I don't, I don't do a lot of work with the dog anymore. And uh, what I do do is, well, I'm out every day, but it's on paratransit and stuff like that. So, but anyway, I said, oh, well, why not? I love dogs. <laughs> so off I went to the seeing eye. And I met Tracy Cox, who was a great instructor, and, uh, and, a, and a woman named uh, Jeannie from Houston, and a guy named Dennis from Rhode Island, and, uh, and a couple of other folks that I met there. And it was, it was fun. It was, you know. I enjoyed getting little raisin. And of course I thought, raisin, raisin and sun, there's a good play, okay. She's gonna be my raisin and sun. And that's what she became. And she's also very small, she's 53 pounds. Now, Bruiser, or should I say Mason, he was more like 70 or 80 pounds. And he was a big guy. But little raisin, I went from a Mack truck to a little Maserati. Cause <laughs> she's a little, she's a little, a little sports car, as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, but Raisin is a wonderful dog. She understands me, God knows how, but she does. And, um, we get along really well and, um, and I'm really proud, proud and pleased to have her. And I'm thinking, I don't know if it's true, but I'm thinking that maybe if, if I'm still around after, um, she has to retire, I just might go for the big 10, the 10th dog. So, <laughs> anyway. That's the life of Charlie Crawford, and I hope yours is, is half as happy. Thanks so much. Isn't he as wonderful as I said he was? For those of you who didn't know him very well, we have a wonderful friend and advocate in Charlie Crawford. We are, um, we are about to bring this event this banquet to an end, but when we do, we have a few more door prizes. So 
If when this thing ends with some couple of announcements, you would like to stay and see if you can win some of these door prizes, we would be happy to have you do that. I have two announcements. Tomorrow is our last event of Top Dog 2017. It's a little bittersweet for all of us, but we have 2019 to look forward to and wonderful memories to of this Top Dog to add with all of the fabulous events that we've had at the past hosted by us and by Dixieland and by Georgia. And so we're just we're just going to treasure these memories and take away what we learned and look forward to 2019. So tomorrow we will have breakfast at the usual time. And for those of you who choose to um, stay um, for a short while, and this will be streamed, the floor will be opened for you to tell little anecdotes about your current guide dog or past guide dogs or any anecdote about an experience with a guide dog. This will be moderated by Janine Stanley, who always moderates Dog Tales. And so we hope that you will come tomorrow. And remember, this part of the program will only be as good as the stories you bring to it. So please do come and join us for breakfast. Um, I will, we will say our formal goodbye tonight because I had to change train schedules. It's a long story. I will be there for part of breakfast, but I probably won't be there for the whole thing. So I, again, from my heart, want to thank each of you from, for coming and making this such a success. Um, it's just very special to me. Um, and I, it means a lot to me personally that this event has meant so much to all of you. I, I just really do want to thank you for that. So having said that, um, let's give it up for all of you again. You are free to go and do what you <laughs> And thank you, Charlie, from the heart. And for those of you who would like to win some of these door prizes, hang out with us a little more till we draw them all. <laughs>